Movie franchises can be funny things. Characters can die heroic deaths, yet show up a couple of years later in their own feature films. That's especially true when it comes to superhero films. Death is tragic, but there are ways around it, usually involving some sort of cosmic do-over, or more simply, a flashback to before a beloved character died. Which brings us to the latest entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Black Widow. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, Black Widow, the movie, was originally slated to arrive last year. But, you know, COVID. So now, Scarlett Johansson's solo movie has arrived with much fanfare to herald what we hope is a true return to movie normalcy. What's that you say? Black Widow is dead? Well, yeah, sure, that's true. Spoiler warning, I guess, for those who haven't seen Avengers Endgame. And yet, here she is on screen again. How did that happen? We'll dive into that question, as well as a broader conversation about Marvel's depiction of women in its superhero movies, and some other big-picture themes related to family as well. And we hope this discussion will serve as a springboard for your family, too, as you consider whether Black Widow is something that might be right for you. Well, joining me for our conversation today are... Emily Clark. Paul Acey. Lauren Cook. And Jonathan McKee. So, okay, superheroes. You know, they're just about impossible to avoid in our culture these days. And, and our very own Paul Acey writes about them constantly. And I have to manage the bitterness on our, on our team when I assign him a superhero movie. And others maybe wanted that one. Bitter. But that leads me to my first question today. <laughs> if you could be any superhero, and this could be Marvel, DC, Image, some other you know indie comic none of us have ever heard of, who would you choose oh. and why? Oh, oh. Oh, Jonathan, I see that hand. Oh, absolutely. And I I know I'm going to take flack for this. I know it because the answer is so cliche. But honestly, who else would you want to be but Superman? I mean, come on. Superman's got it all. I I mean, I can see the nods. I can see the super nods. With my x-ray vision, I can see the bitterness around this table. But let me tell you something. Superman's got it all because, I mean, he's got the strength bullets bounce off him he's got the eyes that can heat things up or saw people in half he can see wherever he can hear wherever and okay the clincher he can fly folks he can fly all right he's super i mean and 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 he's a man who's up next for any uh, for anybody (laughs) who's ever got bullied uh, he's got the whole package in high school you don't have to have a magic ring you don't have to what you know flash is fast so what superman can be that fast he's just super game over nope nope and uh paul nope nope (laughs) i can't wait to hear disagreement to the fifth power yeah yeah no and i think when we're talking about superheroes that we want to be it's not necessarily it's superheroes that we like the most or we think are the coolest. It's who we would or actually want powerful. to be. You know, and I, when I think about Superman, man, his whole planet blew up. He lost his mom and his dad, and then he loses his dad again, and there's so much pressure on him all the time. I would personally be Falcon, Sam Wilson. Ooh. I would totally say, be Falcon. Say more. Well, because, so my favorite superhero is Batman, right? 
I'm Batman. I like Batman. But, man, he's <laughs> dealing with angst all the time. His parents die. He's clearly a troubled soul. Sam Wilson, at least the Sam Wilson we see in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, he's got a good sister. He's got these cute little nephews that he gets to hang around with. He has a community. He has a boat. He seems to have sort of a normal, nice life for the most part. Oh, because having a boat wow. is normal. <laughs> if you live in Louisiana, yeah. I wouldn't mind a boat. I would not mind a boat. So let me wow. get this straight. You want to be Falcon because he has a boat. And he can fly. He can fly. <laughs> and he's got Just right. to Jonathan's all right. point. All right. I mean, the, fly. the flying thing really is in that's play not, here. That's not a bad answer. I was ready to be all adverse and rip you apart, but that's not a bad answer. You can you convince me. Well Lauren, done. what about you? All right. So I'm going to go a little niche for this one. Um, and it. this might only appeal to a very specific um, sector of Gen Z, but I would be Magenta Lewis from Sky High. <laughs> um, whose superpower is that she can turn into a guinea pig whenever she wants. Um, I Lauren for the win, folks. I don't want I don't want the stress of having to save the world all the time. I don't want to be Superman where everyone's dependent on me twenty four seven all the time to save the world. I don't want that responsibility. I just want to turn into a guinea pig and vibe whenever I want. I just think that would be incredibly cool. Would you have to eat those little pellets, though? I mean, is that I, part well, of the thing? Well, then I would just yeah. turn back into a human when I want to eat human food. When you want to eat bacon. Do you keep your yeah. human brain when you're a guinea pig? Yes. I think she, yeah, is she that does, right? right? I'm not yeah. familiar with this. So <laughs> you're okay, right. Does. It Sky is, is She can even talk when she's in guinea okay. pig form. Ooh, I always say Sky High walked so the Marvel Cinematic Universe could run, okay? We would not have the MCU <laughs> without Sky High. And I think it's time we give Sky High its due. And that's my speech for today. Sky High is great. I love that. Emily? Yeah, no, I think that, oh, you guys, this is such a difficult question because it the is. truth is, if we're going for like backstory and stuff, like, honestly, I wouldn't mind being Hawkeye. My mm. favorite He's superhero. He's pretty of all awesome. Time. Yeah. Um, no, and but then if we're talking in terms of like abilities and stuff, I really like Black Widow. You know, to give that cliche answer since we're talking about that today. Right. And um, but here's the other thing. So, I uh, there's this one X Men. Her name is Magma. That's her code name. She's and hot. She, this is my thing. Sorry, it was there. I had to use it. She can literally like <laughs> set herself on fire and being a redhead, that was something that always appealed to me growing up. Cause you know, people would be like, oh, they would just like give me that stereotype of being hot tempered. And I was like, just you wait. <laughs> if I ever had that superpower, that would be my superpower. But no, I think I would actually probably go with, I, I think Hawkeye is pretty cool. I want to be Hawkeye. <laughs> okay. So you wow. gave us like four wow. things and then veered. <laughs> that was that was pretty you impressive. Veered into that was archery good. right at the end, Hawkeye's which is great. better than yachting. Yeah. Like can I be Paul Merida did. actually from Brave? That no. way oh, I get five. the, no, no, that no, we that get the archery and the red hair. It's a different. That's a different I know, category. I know. Well, someday we'll do a podcast just for you on which Pixar character would you be, but not today. So this is a super hard question. Honestly, I don't even know how to answer my own question. Like, I have my favorite superheroes, but I wouldn't want to be them. Vision is by far my favorite superhero, but nobody wants to be Vision. That'd nobody be, wants that'd to be, be unfortunate. That would be terrible. So, all right. I feel like I have to apologize for this before I even say it. I'm just going to be Silver Surfer. Because he's silver and he's got a surfboard. I mean, really, <laughs> it's sort of a maybe a California answer, but... 
Yeah, Silver Surfer. That's my final answer. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say to that. Paul's just <laughs> We're shaking. I'm at, I'm at a speechless. loss. Paul's shaking his head in some sort of unspecified shame on my behalf. Well, Paul gets the award for basically uh, convincing me the most. Paul, your answer definitely was the most. It was the boat. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was well it was thought through. You convinced me, I but I still want to be Superman. <laughs> Newsflash, Paul, you don't have to be a superhero to have a boat. And with that, <laughs> let's get into the meat of this today. Well, oh. you know, theaters are mostly open again, and it seems like movie fans are eager to get back into those big, comfy chairs, which, frankly, as I get older, they invite me to go to sleep if the movie's <laughs> a little bit slow. Yeah. And a big, oversized bag of popcorn with liquid cholesterol drizzled all over it. Mm. And the box office seems to be coming back to life. This week, Black Widow arrives at local multiplexes everywhere. I've always wanted to say that. And it's also a premier streaming option on Disney Plus for those who aren't quite ready to venture back into the theaters just yet. A couple of us have had a chance to see this movie. And so we're going to talk about Black Widow and what you need to know as a family and then broaden out into a bigger conversation about uh, some of the themes that we see there. To get us started, Paul, you reviewed this movie for Plugged In. For those who aren't Marvel super fans, which clearly all of us are, <laughs> who is Black Widow and what is going on in this movie about her? So Black Widow is Natasha Romanoff, and she starts off her life, she starts off her life as a cute little kid. But she quickly becomes most, most superheroes, <laughs> right? She, she quickly becomes <laughs> this vicious assassin. She's part of this group called the Widows. Um, she does a lot of terrible things in her life that you hear a lot about during the course of the Avengers movies, the MCU movies, um, and she's always sort of filled with regret. But she becomes an Avenger and becomes this superhero that little girls have on their lunchboxes and stuff. Right. This movie essentially tells us a little bit more about her backstory, which has always felt to me to be one of the most compelling backstories in all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, big statement. Say more. So this movie takes place in between, essentially, for those who know Marvel movies, it takes place between uh, Captain America Civil War, uh, when the Avengers, this group of superheroes, sort of splits up, and uh, Avengers Infinity War, because clearly they didn't split up for very long, they needed to save the universe. Right. Mm -hmm. Break breakups are hard. Exactly. But in the meantime, Natasha Black Widow is sort of on the lam. She's running away from the authorities, and she finds. I've got herself... a picture of her riding on a lamb. I just <laughs> I love that phrase. I just need to say that. <laughs> she she finds herself oh, needing to take care of who used to be her main father figure, I guess, when she was an assassin, right? Right. Drakov is this guy who runs the widow organization. He is a bad, bad dude. And Black Widow decides he needs to pay for his crimes. In the course of action, he actually, she actually meets up with her old family, who's not really her family, but they grew up sort of in Ohio for three years. Uh, meets her. Didn't we all? I did not expect you to say Ohio there. Ohio grows <laughs> up in Ohio. Um, she meets her younger sister, Elena. She runs into her dad, who was actually the Soviet Union's version of the super nah. soldier, nah. Red Guardian. Red Guardian. Runs into her mom, and they sort of have a nice little family adventure trying to get Drakov to pay for his crimes. If by family adventure you mean lots of people are... <laughs> 
broken, <laughs> shot, killed, thrown overboard. You know, I mean, family different adventure, families yeah. do different things so for my fun. My family adventures are like huh? right. Th- Thanksgiving, so, yeah. So, what kind of content should people expect here? You're maybe a Marvel super fan. Maybe you've got, you know, a ten or eleven or twelve year old who hasn't seen a Marvel movie yet and is anxious to think about that. What do families need to know? This movie is really of a piece with most of what we see from Marvel movies. You're going to hear, you're going to see a lot of violence, a lot of action. For the most part, it's not necessarily very bloody, but you know that there's tons of fatalities in the midst of them. And one thing that sort of surprised me, Adam, was the number of broken bones we see. Yeah. And grotesquely broken bones. There's one guy yeah. whose bone is broken really. It's not very pretty. <laughs> It's We're not in Joe Theismann territory. Let's just put it that way. You have <laughs> some you have some bad language to be aware of. Some S words make their appearance. And of course, because we're talking about Natasha Romanoff, Black Widow, uh, you do have some tight-fitting outfits. You know, if you're concerned about that, well, that's the central. And Red element. Guardian, too, has a tight-fitting <laughs> outfit. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> yikes. True equality. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little disturbing <laughs> in, a, in a totally different way. Yeah, he sort of makes the world safe for middle-aged superheroes who have <laughs> shall we say gone to seed a little bit <laughs> I, I, I do wow. have to say as i watched him trying to fit into his red guardian outfit i thought man that's the first guy who i might look better in in that <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so it's like you know uh thor fat what, thor yeah fat thor, yeah, yeah. Or The Incredibles, Mr. Incredible. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's, Mr. Incredible. It's in exactly the same kind of territory. (laughs) So I want to broaden our conversation a bit at this point. Black Widow is the second female-focused movie in the ongoing Marvel Cinematic Universe storyline. Captain Marvel, starring Brie Larson, was the first. And, of course, Wanda Maximoff was the star of WandaVision. Vision was sort of a star, but really it was Wanda's story. Uh, And I think it's interesting that Marvel is beginning to focus more exclusively on female characters, at least as sort of the focal point for these stories. What do you think of the ways that Marvel and Disney have chosen to portray women in these films? And I want to talk about it in terms of the things that are empowering, the things that are problematic, and stuff that might be in that gray area in between. I think that, um, you know, it does have a few more female-focused films. Um, It's important to note that they haven't stopped making, you know, male-focused films and stuff. (laughs) I mean, they're just – it's becoming a little more – not quite 50-50, but it's approaching that line, which is great because, you know, for every little boy out there who wants to be Superman or Iron Man or whoever, there's a little girl out there who's like, well, I want to be a superhero too. Where are they at? And you do have characters like Black Widow and Wanda and Captain Marvel. And I think I, I think these characters, none of them are necessarily bad role models, but you have to take into consideration that they've all got, you know, as uh, Natasha Romanoff would say, they've all got red in their ledger. Oh, I like that. Okay. So as role models, maybe they're not just sort of plug and play because they're complicated characters, right? What Correct. else? I think it's interesting. Um, I sort of view Captain Marvel and Scarlet Witch on sort of the opposite end of the spectrum on how Marvel is doing female characters. So Captain Marvel got a lot of flack from a lot of people for not being very likable, maybe. She's not... I wouldn't say there's a ton of depth to her character there. I think 
they almost tried to substitute oh she's like the most powerful in the mcu she's super powerful and we're she's gonna... superman only she's a woman right she's superman she's blonde superman i guess but um she's kind of they're substituting the all of her super strong powers for an actual in-depth character i think they actually did the opposite with scarlet witch who is also very 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 powerful one of the most powerful in the mcu but wandavision gave her so much depth to her character like she is dealing with so much trauma and grief and Mm. i think they put wanda maximoff above scarlet witch in that um series which i think really made her one of my favorite female mcu characters well and really she doesn't even become the scarlet witch until right right at the end of the series. I mean, Spoiler. we may think of Wanda Maximoff and, and Scarlet Witch as interchangeable, but but there's a progression there. Uh, and, and I'll just toss in, it's interesting to me how they have developed the backstory and the complexity of these characters. Like, And in Black Widow, uh, when you have a chance to see it, if you decide to see it, there's a lot of character development. I felt like there was more character development there maybe than than some of the Marvel Universe, uh, Cinematic Universe movies. So would you agree with that, Paul? I would totally agree with that. I think, and part of that is because of the depth that the actress who plays Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson, brings to the character. She's a really great actress. And her backstory is very compelling. As I said at the top, you see these hints of what her past life was. It's almost this little trail to see where she got to where she got to. To watch that sort of fleshed out in this movie a little bit more um, was gratifying. And I do think that she becomes a much more fully-fledged character. When you're talking about superhero movies, they come from comic books. And a lot of times those comics have been inherently objectifying, which can make it problematic to bring some of these characters men but mostly women into the modern era and onto the screen and making them feel real and true and vibrant. Um, I think that that they have done that pretty well with Black Widow. I think it's interesting to see, obviously, and we've talked about this in prior Plugged In shows, how they're kind of, you know, with superheroes almost wanting to show this more, I guess the world would probably call it real flawed character let's show you know people how they really are let's show them flawed let's show the inner struggle and and i don't really have a problem with that i think it's okay to show imperfect people trying to figure things out honestly the bible's loaded with imperfect stories of people who messed up i think the big difference and the thing that we as viewers have to remember um, as believers is when we're watching these stories from the world's perspective the way they're always figuring it out is, okay, um, you know, what feels right at the moment? What's my heart telling me? And there is n- not necessarily a right or wrong out there. And the difference between, you know, a comic book character and a biblical character is when you get to biblical characters, there is that right or wrong. There is that moral code that's laid out clearly through scripture. And When we get to movies and we get to kids who are basically assessing their morality by the heroes they're seeing on the screen, you know, they're going to walk away going, okay, I want to figure things out this way because this is the way my hero figured it out. And that's why we just really need to get our kids in scripture. They need to understand um, where right or wrong comes from and that biblical values are very important. So I'm going to agree and disagree simultaneously with you, Jonathan. Um, Absolutely. I think that morality can be very subjective in any movie, not just superhero movies. But I think one of the things that's compelling 
about the Marvel movies is there's this tension constantly of people trying to figure out what the right thing to do really is. And I don't know, I'm not going to go out on the limb so far to say that Marvel's understanding of morality always lines up with a biblical sense of morality, because no. I don't think that that's true. <laughs> but I also think that there is a pretty deep drive to grapple with the moral implications of the things that are happening. And we really see that in Black Widow. Like, Natasha is really trying to come to grips with the fact that she was trained as an assassin and there's a horrible thing that has happened that she feels really guilty about. And, and there's that guilt to process as well. And so at the very least, I think superhero movies, maybe, maybe surprisingly so, they ask some moral questions. Now, absolutely. again, whether their answers always line up with biblical truth or not is a, a different discussion. But, well, uh, but I think they're a good catalyst in that sense. Well, well, and could we just summarize what you just said by basically saying these movies ask great questions, but they aren't providing the answers? Right. No, that's right. It, I totally agree with you, Jonathan. I think that when we're talking about these superhero movies, it's important to for you to be grounded in Scripture. As parents, I think it's really important to talk through what they're watching on screen because these movies do deal with good and evil, black and white. Um, not every character answers these questions in the way that we would. But one thing I have always liked about Black Widow, Natasha Romanov, within the MCU, not just in this movie, but especially in this movie, is that she does feel she's a little bit more like us in a way. Right. Um, she doesn't have any superpowers. She works really hard to do what she does. But more than that, when you watch her, she feels the pressure of what she's done in the past. As you said, Adam, she is willing to make some very strong sacrifices right. to get to a better place. Yep. And in some ways... And I, to take responsibility for what she's done, mm -hmm. too. Exactly. I, I, I haven't really thought through this very much, but you can make an argument that her character arc is a little like Pilgrim's Progress. Mm, you know, it's Black Widow's Progress. <laughs> <laughs> because, because you really are watching this person who goes from this place of darkness, and she is trying to redeem herself. Now, to Jonathan's point, she is working toward that. She is not giving herself a lot of grace, but it's still a very interesting element, I think. So, Paul, I want to circle back to something you said earlier, and I want us to unpack this other thing. You talked about objectification and comic books. I mean, if you've seen a comic book in the last 70 years or so, or 80 or 90, you know, female characters tend to be pretty curvy. And I think that we have seen that even in the Marvel Universe. So, here's my question. Um, Marvel's first movie, Iron Man, came out back in 2009, and it really had some content, I think, that objectified oh, yeah. women. Do you think the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole has changed in that regard in the last 24 movies or so? And if so, mm. how? How, how are we question. seeing the treatment of women in terms of objectifying them? So honestly, like, there's still some issues and I think there's always going to be issues with that because of maybe because of the comic book origins. But like, 
uh, Scarlett Johansson, one of the biggest things that she always hated is people would ask her, like, what kind of underwear she was wearing underneath her costume in interviews, in professional interviews. And it drove her crazy because they weren't asking, you know, Robert Downey Jr. what he was wearing underneath the Iron Man suit or any or any of the other male actors what they were wearing. So she was like, why does it matter? Why are you asking me that? That's so inappropriate and it has nothing to do with my acting ability. It has nothing to do with the character. But when you think about it, if they had put her in like a slightly less form-fitting costume, nobody would have asked her that. You know, and I think that's always going to be something that's kind of an issue with just female action stars is that they are typically put in costumes that aren't necessarily the most like modest. I I do think we should mention that it's not just female characters, I think, who are who are objectified. Oh, that's a good point. In these movies. You oh, know, no, men are too, with the muscles and everything. With the muscles. My wife always wants to watch the Thor movies over and over again, and I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> it but, means you should go to the gym more, bro. Just saying. <laughs> no, but like it, that's also an issue, though, because if you look at the diet and exercise routines of those male actors that they do to get into shape, it's there are many actors who will come out and openly say, I don't recommend this for normal people. It's actually kind of unhealthy and I got to this level because I have professional chefs, professional trainers, professional dietitians all helping me, not to mention the studios paying for it. <laughs> yeah, Hugh Jackman literally has said um when he played Wolverine yep. that especially for his shirtless scenes, he said I would go without water for like like yeah, three he, days. Right. He would go on like a starvation diet, he would go on a dehydration diet yep. just for you know to make those, his muscles ripple. Yep, right. I've for those had... like three seconds on of film time yep. and and he's talked about, like, how damaging it was. I mean, that can cause, like, severe, like, organ damage. I mean, yep. that's very, very bad for you. Um, but he, I mean, he did it because for, to be on screen and shirtless for three seconds. he looked good, because, right? I mean, he was paying for it. <laughs> exactly. And I think, um, going back to Black Widow, like, Scarlett Johansson, I think she literally just said in an interview talking about she the character first appeared in Iron Man 2 in 2010. Um, and she's talked about how she hated how she was portrayed in that movie about how how hypersexualized she was mm, and yep. um the way people talked about her in the movie you know i think tony says like oh i want that or i want yeah some, he you says know? a lot of really not great very questionable right. remarks and i think she said in the interview if i remember correctly she said i maybe took it as a compliment at the time you know that was like 10 years ago maybe i was like oh well that's nice that they see me that way because she measured her value based on that but now yeah. i mean 10 years have passed she goes i'm a mother now you know i'm a different person i've changed i've evolved and i don't feel that way anymore and but she feels that the character has evolved so much that in her own solo movie she's much more she's a person and she's not yeah. just like that's good. a piece of meat you know one of the things they actually do in the newest movie is they sort of refer back to some of those Black Widow moments, which I thought was delightful. Um, Elena, her little sister, calls her out. Why are you always posing? Why are you always doing this superhero <laughs> oh, pose with the leg off to the side? And Elena even tries it at one point and says, oh, that just doesn't make any sense. That's great. You know, so you, you do have yeah, these funny. references saying this, this is done. So much of what we see is done and shown for looks. And the movie calls it out while still sort of embracing it, you know? Well, and the interesting thing there is we're, what, 12 years since Iron Man came out? That it's now been enough time that the franchise has gone meta on itself. Mm -hmm. It's critiquing yeah. some of the values that have changed. And yep. I think that's a really great example of 
a worldview shift in our culture where there's more self-awareness on the part of the movie makers and in a positive way. You know, we will often call out movies for their worldview problems, but I think this is one where there's a recognition that, yeah, we want to have strong, courageous, terrific female characters, but that doesn't mean that the only way we're going to depict them is as a sex object. And this movie really unpacks that. Well, like, and this might be an unpopular opinion, but I actually kind of liked Captain Marvel mm-hmm. because one thing that was missing from that movie was was the sexual content. There was almost nothing in there that, to me, that was objectifying women. And it was empowering those women without, like, without giving her that romantic storyline. It was able to, you know, focus on just her as a person and focus on her as a superhero. And I actually really liked that. Yeah, I felt the same way, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a, a great place to land our superhero conversation today. I know that we're all fans personally at some level. We could talk about this for hours. Exactly. I think that we could do a four hour podcast. On, and I would. And, and Black Widow alone and we would have a blast doing it. Um, but I hope that as we have talked today, it's given you some things to think about because let's face it, superhero movies are not going anywhere until they quit making money, which doesn't seem to be a, a likelihood of anything happening anytime soon, we're going to keep seeing these movies come out and families are going to have to continue to grapple with what do we do with this? Is it just a superhero movie? I don't have to think about it. I go have fun for two hours, check my brain at the door. Or is it, you know, oh, those are terrible. We can't see those. I think for most families, you're going to land somewhere in between. And I wanted to leave you with some questions to ponder Uh, both with regard to Black Widow, but I think the superhero genre as a whole. And so you can think about these moving forward as you guys see more superhero movies in the future. What characters did you connect with and why? And who did you most relate to? I think especially with our kids, sometimes they surprise us and they might identify with someone that we didn't even notice or think about. And it may not be the main character. Yes, like (laughs) Lauren your identification with a guinea pig superhero. Hey, I wasn't, hey, I didn't see that on. coming. <laughs> when is Magenta Lewis going to join the Avengers? That's my question. I, I think want it's her time. to. I, I think, think it's time. I when think they it's make, time. As, when it, as a guinea pig. As a guinea pig. Disney Plus spinoff show. Super guinea. Let's do it. No. <laughs> Next question. Who do you think acted the most heroically in this story and why? What character qualities do you think are most important in a hero? Because at the at the core, superhero stories are about heroism. And even going back to our first question, Superman was created by two Jewish guys who were thinking about Moses. And they were actually some deep history on Superman, if you're not familiar with it. They were trying to sort of reframe a biblical hero for modern day. The, the backstory on Superman is super interesting if you haven't ever uh, dug Super into interesting. It. It's super interesting. Thank you. I'm glad you caught that, Jonathan. <clears throat> and then finally, how can you, either as a family or an individual, make a difference for someone in need somewhere in your world this week, right? Because being a hero is about saying, okay, I have all this stuff going on in my life, but I'm going to pay attention to what God might be doing in the world. And Maybe it's a small thing that you can do that can make a big difference in somebody else's life. We hope that the Plugged In Show can be a catalyst for conversation for you, whether that's in your own family, with your friends, and potentially with us. So this week, we would love to hear from you regarding the question that we talked about in the beginning. 
If you could be any superhero, who would it be and why? Let us know at Facebook or on Instagram, and you can find us at Plugged In Team. And we would love to keep this conversation going with you. We hope you enjoyed our discussion about Black Widow and the state of superhero movies today. And as our thanks to you for being a part of the Plugged In Show family, today for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of Paul Acey's book, Burning Bush 2.0, How Pop Culture Replaced the Prophet. You'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on the Plugged In blog entry for our conversation today. Or if you prefer, you can also just call 800-A-FAMILY. Well, as always, thank you so much for spending some time with us this week. And we look forward to connecting with you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show.